Welcome to Talking Success with Asma Mir in partnership with Withers, the international law firm. I think I learned that uh, success comes from being consistent to specific values in the long term. For me, success is when my clients tell me about the social impact that they've achieved. So if I cared about success, I would have stopped, but I care about other things more. I'm Asma Mir, and in this series, I get to chat to a whole range of successful people, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and leaders in their field. We discuss their path, how they got to this point, how they envision the next phase, and crucially, what were the moments along the way where a decision they made or didn't make made all the difference. The personal aspect of what I do, well, what we do in our industry, I think this is what keeps me up every day and, and uh, doing what I have been enjoying to do. In this episode, I'm speaking with Dr. Jay May, founder, chairman and CEO of biopharmaceutical company Antigen, which focuses on research and development of drugs that treat cancers. Jay has nearly 20 years of experience in clinical research and development of oncology therapeutics globally. And during the course of his career, he has helped develop some of the most successful oncology drugs in the world. Jay, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Asma. I am going to start off with with a big question. I wonder for you, what was the first big decision that you remember making? Well, it will be 31 years ago uh, when I decided to pursue post-medical graduate education in the United States. That's when I came to this country and then uh, obtained my uh, doctoral degree in pharmacology. And that was, of course, after a medical education. And then uh, I uh, went to U.S. National Cancer Institute and stayed there for eight years and pursuing a career in cancer research. And what informed that decision? What made you think this is a big step, but I absolutely know that this is the right thing to do? There are a few things. First, when I was in medical school, I became particularly interested on how drugs uh, interact with uh, various organ systems. And then uh, later at uh, a cellular and molecular level. So uh, these are fascinating to me. And uh, I learned, of course, a pharmacology and uh, as a medical student. And of course, and then uh, I learned how to prescribe. But then there's still a big mystery and uh, how these drugs were developed and uh, why we are using the way we have been using them and in various pathological conditions. And that prompted me to the decision to pursue a graduate degree and study in pharmacology. Mm. I've got so many things I want to ask you. Um, let me start with the, the transition into the company that you now have. You had worked in medicine for over 20 years before founding Antigen. What does this company allow you to do that you couldn't do at other companies? In my career across the span of 20 years with uh, three companies, I was able to need uh, quite a few uh, global clinical uh, programs, either in solid tumor or in hematological malignancies around the world. So these global trials, by definition, and uh, these are uh, a connective 
effort of uh, investigators or medical doctors uh, around the world. And uh, after more than 15 years, I uh, had an opportunity. And uh, my former employer, Saojin, had uh, a strategy about uh, its uh, further development in Asia-Pacific, particularly in China. In other words, how to expedite the development of its pipeline programs in that part of the world through partnership. And uh, that also presented an opportunity for me with the support from Sojin and to start a new company. And that's how Antigen came about, serendipity. Absolutely. Um, Would you say the pandemic has changed the public's attitude to life sciences innovation? And if it has, in what way? I think uh, our industry or pharmaceutical or biotech has actually been working around the world. And uh, the public actually had a little understanding. The pharma sector or biotech industry has been at the forefront of globalization. In many ways, we united the world at least in the form of clinical trials. And then that actually enabled the speedy approval of uh, multiple vaccines. And that has been a remarkable effort. And of course, that didn't happen by chance, just overnight. A lot of those are the know-hows and uh, the personnel and the infrastructure, and there were also the partnership among different countries, the health authorities. And then the guidelines that have been issued And that is very much a global effort. And uh, in some ways, I think uh, our industry has been needing that effort and probably somewhat underappreciated by the general public. Now, with the pandemic, I think uh, we all become more aware of that. But still, we may not clearly understand how these vaccines or drugs have been developed uh, combating this dreadful disease. Mm. You spoke earlier about a major decision in your life. I wonder if there is a particularly defining moment in either your life or your career that perhaps shaped your decision-making or put you on a certain path. Can can you think of a a particular defining moment? Sure. Uh, There are actually quite a few. And uh, when I was uh, at uh, National Cancer Institute as an oncology researcher, we had uh, a lot of resources at our disposal, and uh, we were able to conduct uh, various trials and then experiments and studies. It was like a ivory tower to me. And uh, for researchers as these very prestigious institutions, we had very little understanding about pharmaceutical industry, of course, myself included. And then to some extent, we, we actually look down on them. We had the perception that uh, these are greedy companies and only have one thing on the mind, which is profit. Now, what happened is in the mid-90s, a drug that was approved called Herceptin for breast cancer patients, and particularly for breast cancer patients harboring the HER2 new gene mutations. And the outcome of these patients were particularly poor. They did not respond very well to chemotherapy. And then Herceptin came about, and then really it changed 
the treatment paradigm, their actually outcome or prognosis will be better once they receive Herceptin treatment. So it's basically a 180-degree change. And then the, a few years after that, and there's another drug called Glivac. And uh, Glivac was designed and developed to treat a disease called CML, a chronic myeloid leukemia. But we had uh, very few effective medicines to treat these patients or offer to these patients to treat this particular disease until Glivac came around. And then that disease become very much manageable. 95% of the patients, if they receive Glivac treatment or stay on it, and they will be alive after five years. And that would be not the case without this miracle drug to some patients. And that actually uh, occurred in the late 90s. And then that prompted me to study and pay more attention on all these various companies and pharmaceutical industry as a whole. And then the first company that called uh, was Johnson Johnson. But of course, I knew Johnson Johnson very well. Both our children were born in the 90s. And then well, we use uh, a lot of Johnson products and Johnson Johnson diapers and the formula <laughs> and baby notion. So I didn't know that actually uh, they were working on cancer drugs as well. And of course, and I accepted offer and then joined the industry. And I, I enjoyed every moment of that past 20 years. Let me ask you about um, decisions and decision making. Um, I suppose I probably already know the answer to this because, you know, you work in, in the scientific world. So I'm presuming that your approach to making decisions is fairly logical. Or are you going to surprise me and, and tell me, no, actually, I go with my gut instinct? <laughs> well, actually, uh, I was not a, a lateral born entrepreneur. I'm a physician by training, uh, a scientist or a healthcare worker. And uh, I happened to be a founder of uh, a biotech company. Our industry is very complex and uh, more challenging because we're dealing with uh, a patient's lives. And uh, developing drugs, hopefully, will be helping them. And across the globe, with uh, different regulations in different country, in different region. And that actually is quite challenging. So uh, that is also the reason that uh, uh, unlike uh, a certain other tech sector, you have uh, some 20-some-year-old college dropout will start a great company and then transformative in terms of uh, how we, for example, socialize with each other, how we communicate with each other. But that's not the case in our industry. And uh, I have yet to see a college dropout to start a successful pharmaceutical company. <laughs> so most of the founders are more toward the, the middle of the career or even toward the end of the career. Uh, our decision-making process tend to be very thoughtful and very well laid out and articulated and sound. Now, obviously, there is the, the safety net, so to speak, of, of clinical trials, but still, the decisions that you're making, you know, whether they are clinical or business decisions, I suppose you could say that in the long term, they do have life or death implications for patients. And I wonder whether that pressure is something which informs you and the way that you perform or is it something that you actually have to put out of your mind 
to think dispassionately? Well, as a physician by training, we learned uh, how to think logically when the patient presents at our clinic, for example. And uh, we treat one patient at, at a time. In clinical research or drug development, I constantly remind myself every data point that we, we are looking at, it actually represents what happened to a particular patient. And either it's a, a side effect or a response or biological or biochemical test results. And so one of the, I think, gratifications for me because it allows us be able to develop potentially life-saving drugs for many patients, not just one patient at a time as a practicing physician. And so these are remarkable in terms of uh, a science, but also a heavy responsibility. Mm. Can you tell me about a decision perhaps that you didn't enjoy making, but that had to be made? Well, there are many such occasions, unfortunately. In our industry, actually, our business, the reality is that we fail more often than we succeed. The public may not appreciate that. And that's why it's so expensive to develop a, a brand new drug. And it takes years of effort and billions of dollars. And sometimes we have to stop a study. And that happened in my career, not just once or twice, multiple times. And then that occurs more often than not. Every single molecule that uh, we push into a clinical trial, the chance of success is less than 10%. So every 10 drugs that we studied in the various stage of clinical studies, probably one or two will eventually be successful. And that is actually after we have screened and synthesized and studied tens of thousands of different molecules preclinically. Clearly and obvious, it's obvious really that this is long, hard, very arduous work and, and often there will be no success. It'll be, I mean, failure might not be the right word, but it will have to be shelved and you have to start again. So what is it that keeps you going? Because that must, you know, you think about the, the amount of money that's involved, the, the, the number of staff that's involved, the time scale that's involved. This is huge, huge chunks of your life that could come to not very much and you have to start again. So what is it that keeps you going? Well, of course, uh, uh, professional gratification and uh, the scientific curiosity, and uh, to some extent, the bragging rights, right? <laughs> and see, my name is associated with a drug that has been used by tens of thousands of physicians or hundreds of thousands of patients around the world. And that is actually immeasurable. And that is actually greater than any financial return. And of course, at any given moment, most of us are healthy. But in our lifetime, all of us were patients at some time point. So that's inevitable. So we are developing medicines for the patients combating the diseases. But these patients could be us. And we may be able benefiting from that. And then, of course, and then once in a while, it may touch you in this unexpected way. And we all know friends, 
acquaintances or colleagues who were unfortunately diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. And then that unfortunately happened in my family as well. So I joined Saojin in 2008. And Saojin was known as a company that uh, developing some very, very powerful drugs, effective drugs, transformational drugs for a disease called multiple myeloma. And uh, about a year after I joined the company, while I was the global clinical leader and studying on the drug that was exactly designed for multiple myeloma, my own mother was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I remember that day when I received a phone call from my mom's physician, and he told me that I have unfortunate news, and your mom has myeloma. And then I became speechless. And then I was able to help my mom, given that uh, my background, but also I happened to work in multiple myeloma and developing the most cutting-edge therapy at that time. It was more than 10 years ago. And then we were fortunate, and my mom was able to receive the best care, the most advanced medicine at that time. But she was able to live with that disease for more than 10 years as a, a cancer survivor. As a matter of fact, she received the drug I was working on, the drug called Revlimid. And uh, I think to me, there was nothing short of a miracle. So these are, I think, moments, if you will, a career professional aspiration aside, the personal aspect of what I do, what we do in our industry. I think this is what keeps me up every day and and, uh, doing what I have been enjoying to do. Okay. Um, If you could pick one key lesson that you've learned from your career, what would it be? Uh, Well, uh, remain hungry, and not in a financial sense, but really the knowledge, what we can learn in every day from each other and from what we hear, and then develop portable skill sets, if you will. And then it doesn't matter what company you'll be working with. And then learn something on the job that you can take with you. And uh, of course, as I said, I was not a lateral born entrepreneur. I never dreamed myself to be a CEO one day. And actually, that was not my uh, career objective. But then when the opportunity presented itself, of course, I grasped that opportunity. And uh, But what I learned over the past years from the various assignments and allowed me to utilize some of the skill sets and that I actually did not realize I had. I think Antigen is not only a, a drug discovery and development company, but we also would like to cultivate a mentor and grow a new generation of drug discoverers and developers. And then the, allow them the platform for them to maximize the potential. Sometimes they don't even realize they could have, well, you're given the right opportunity and then they will be able to achieve what they, they have not imagined. Let's just end um, with some uh, lighter, quick-fire questions, um, Jay. And and these, all these really need is maybe one word, 
maybe three words at the most. Um, so if you're ready, um, the first one is what one word do you think sums up your working style? Uh, passionate. Fantastic. What's your favorite time of the work day? That's another interesting one because uh, every day is just so busy. I think uh, the favorite time will be after all the meetings are over and then I can pause for a moment and gather my thoughts. Absolutely. I know. Another sorry, that's, that's not a one-word answer. No, that was fine. <laughs> that was fine. Don't worry. Um, if you had a magic wand, uh, what one thing would you change about your products or your business? I think that uh, eventually we will have to develop new technologies and uh, be able to predict how a drug or drug candidate will behave uh, in our body. And then the, we can almost predict the outcome in the clinical trial, maybe not with 100% accuracy, but at least enhance our success rate. Because now we are paying the price for we fail so often. Again, sorry, it's, this is not a short answer or one word answer. <laughs> it's okay. Um, what is the thing, the one thing that most frustrates you work-wise? Uh, the slow process it can be frustrating because, as I said, uh, uh, our industry is the most heavily regulated and we can work very hard around the clock, but there are certain things that are out of hands. We just have to deal with it. And sometimes it can be frustrating. If you had to use only one when making a decision, would you choose your head or your heart? My heart, for sure. A hundred percent. I can tell that. <laughs> but the brain helps once in a while. <laughs> I find it's useful to have one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and just finally, if you weren't working as a CEO, what do you think you would be doing? As a matter of fact, when I was a very young age, this is going to surprise you. I want to be a, a to become a journalist, oh. a reporter. But there's a, I think there are similarities to journalism, the human factor, if you will. Mm. And uh, it's not just medicine and science, but also that uh, your compassion and uh, your desire to listen to others and to convey the message and to interact with other human beings around the world. Jay, thank you so much. It's been absolutely lovely to speak to you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Asma. I enjoyed uh, the conversation we just had. And then, uh, well, thank you for the opportunity and uh, to share the Antigen story. Jay was such a nice guy to talk to, just so driven, so compassionate, working in a really difficult and important area of um, science and he didn't even want to be a CEO when he started out and I think that just slightly blew my mind I have to say. Thank you for listening to Talking Success. In the next episode I'll be speaking to Matteo Lunelli, CEO of the Italian luxury drinks company the Lunelli Group about running a family business. You can find out more about Withers on their website, withersworldwide.com. Talking Success is a Feast Collective production. The producer is Hannah Varrell. The executive producer is Kate Taylor. 
and I'm Asma Mir. Goodbye. <laughs>